0: Welcome to the conversation at airsafe.com. I'm your host, Todd Curtis. On January 27, 2015, I had an interview at radio station CJOB in Winnipeg, Canada, with the host, Charles Adler. We discussed a number of subjects, including a blizzard that the East Coast of the United States is currently experiencing, as well as the recent crash of a Greek F-16 during a training exercise in Spain.
1: Your city, your voice, Charles Adler, on 680 CJOB. So whether you're on conventional or social media, you can't help but notice that there is a storm in Atlantic Canada. And, of course, it's come from Atlantic USA. Todd Curtis is very, very close to the Atlantic Ocean right now. He's based in Boston. And uh, Boston might not have gotten the worst of it, but uh, it was uh, pretty bad. It's a a nor'easter. It's a blizzard. And uh, some people are calling it the Super Bowl of blizzards. Todd Curtis, thanks so much for joining us from airsafe.org. Well, thanks again for having me. What what, uh, what are you looking at uh, right now? I mean, is this the Super Bowl of, uh, of weather?
0: Well, I wouldn't go that far. I will say this. There's been quite a bit of hype about the storm over the last day or so. And I'm also fortunate. I was actually on the East Coast in 1978, which had a very major blizzard that's being compared to that one. And from my personal experience, the snow I've seen here is not equal to the 1978 blizzard.
1: Now, I don't want to be kind of a weather snob because we live in a fairly cold part of of Canada and of, of North America. But we look at the video that's coming in from the New Yorks and the Boston's. I mean, yeah, there, there's snow and, and there's some wind and it's, it's a bit cold. But by Winnipeg, Manitoba standards, it's not a
0: Godzilla of a blizzard. Oh, no, certainly not in New York, because uh, in part because the storm sort of uh, turned on its heel and escaped uh, the, the central part of the storm escaped New York. Out on Long Island, they have much, much deeper snow, but New York only has about, I don't know, what, about uh, 20 uh, centimeters, eight, 8 inches or so of snow. It's not that bad at all. In fact, they're starting up with uh, public transit again down there.
1: All right so public transit is starting up again in in the Apple. I think the other thing that freaks people out is when they uh look at uh, numbers of uh, delays and cancellations and um, we're we're given the number 7000 7000 flight cancellations and when when people see that they go I I guess I guess it's quite the event.
0: Well, it's a bit of a ripple effect because most of the major airlines in North America operate networks of flights. So you can have one city especially a major city like Chicago or Toronto having problems and it's going to affect flights from multiple airlines across the country. So where you are, the weather could be perfectly fine, but you could still have a delayed or canceled flight.
1: Now, the big story in Greece in the last 48 hours is the voters have decided to go far left, and uh, that's supposed to have some sort of impact on their relationship with the EU, and who knows, it could have a ripple effect on, on the rest of us. But the other story out of Greece is very black and white, 10 people dead, F-16 military jet, a Greek F-16 military jet crashing in Spain. Uh, you're our air safety guy, Todd Curtis. What happened here?
0: Well, this is one of those very unfortunate situations where there was a military exercise going on, where NATO on a regular basis has training at this particular base, and they're training under realistic wartime conditions. And in this case, you had several jets lined up on the side of the runway for takeoff. One jet did take off, apparently lost power, and plowed into a number of jets and helicopters on the side of the runway. So this is a situation where not just the jet that crashed but multiple other aircraft filled with fuel, uh, with explosive charges on their ejection seats, you have this conflagration going on. So you have this very serious fire, explosive ordnance all over the place, and quite a terrible scene, it seems.
1: So, Todd, is it fair to say, because I don't want to hype something like this or anything else for that matter, but is it fair to say that this is another situation where it could have gotten a lot worse where we've dodged a bullet? And the reason I say that is because you're using the word conflagration, which you don't use often unless there's a serious reason for it.
0: Well, certainly, because, again, the military, having been in the military myself, not as a pilot but as a flight test engineer, There are procedures on top of procedures to prevent this sort of thing from happening. Uh, People spend years thinking through how do you actually put together an exercise, much less how do you put together an actual uh, combat situation. So this sort of risk assessment is done all the time. Assessments such as, well, we're going to have these jets sitting wing for takeoff. What part of the airfield should they be in to minimize the likelihood of a disaster should the worst happen? And the investigation here has just started, so I'm not going to pronounce that this was well-planned or not well-planned. But certainly, the NATO authorities and the Spanish authorities will be looking into the question of, was this properly planned for? And were things put in place, procedures put in place that, well, minimize what what happened? Again, it could have been worse. It could have been not so bad. That remains to be seen. Two questions we always ask, whether it's a
1: military crash or domestic, is... Is it the technology, is it the equipment, uh, or is it human error? Too early to know, right, Todd?
0: It's too early to know, but uh, certainly the technology wasn't at the leading edge. Uh, This was an F-16 fighter that crashed. It's been in the inventories of the Greek Air Force, the U.S. Air Force, and multiple other air forces around the world for several generations now. This aircraft goes back to the 70s. So certainly there is nothing very exotic going on there. It is a single-engine aircraft. And one of the dangers of any single-engine aircraft is that if you have a failure of the propulsion system, an engine failure at takeoff or at a very critical part of flight, you have very few options. And there's no reports, at least now, of the pilots trying to uh, bail out of the aircraft. So this could have been one of those situations where there was very, very little time to do anything. And perhaps the pilots were doing the best uh, to their ability to keep from crashing the other aircraft, but unfortunately... That was not the case.
1: All right. So this is a Greek F-16, which feels very old uh, to those people who have been used to hearing the, uh, you know, F-18 moniker for the longest time. We're told that the, you know, F-18 by modern standards is also becoming old news. Um, Are are a lot of countries still flying F-16s, Todd Curtis?
0: Well, absolutely. This is a a standard aircraft that's flown uh, throughout the world. In fact, the latest uh, bombing missions against uh, ISIS and other targets in Syria. Is using uh, F-16s from uh, member nations uh, in the coalition, and of course the F-16 is a mainstay of the U.S. Air Force. Although the design goes back several decades, it's been constantly upgraded, constantly improved, so that the electronics and the avionics and such are top-notch for a lot of these aircraft. So let, let's Although, just make—I just want to make
1: something clear: the the fuselages may be old, uh, but there are upgrades, and so the technology inside it is not old. Is that what you're saying?
0: That's correct. That's correct. In fact, uh, probably the oldest aircraft in continuous use in the U.S. is the B-52. And the ones that are flying right now were actually produced in the 1960s, let's say. So you can have people flying these aircraft who are the grandchildren of the original pilots, yet through upgrades, maintenance and such, you can have an airframe operate for decades. Now, switching uh, to civilian airliners... That typically doesn't happen because it becomes economically not viable to keep an airliner up and running for 30 and 40 years because there are so many changes to it, which is why you don't see 727s or 707s in regular airline inventories. But that aside, a properly maintained aircraft can fly indefinitely.
1: Todd, uh, we're always encouraging people to go to your site. What what have you got in your site uh, right now? What would you want people to look for?
0: Well, one of the things I updated yesterday in fact because of the storm was uh, some very very basic advice on what to do in a storm primarily as a passenger if you see something coming on that might be canceling or delaying your flight what are some proactive things one can do to lessen the effect and unfortunately when it comes to storms uh, most airlines in in the united states have a policy where they're not going to compensate you at all that is if you're stuck in an airport they're not going to pay for hotel they're not going to pay for meals Now, other countries and other situations, they may have different um, rules. But one of the things that happens in a major storm like this is that the airlines typically are a little bit more liberal when it comes to their change policies. You may be able to change your flight without penalty.
1: Dr. Todd Curtis runs a terrific site, which we look at all the time. It's easy to remember, uh, Airsafe. Of course, who doesn't want it to be? Who doesn't want safety in aviation? It's called airsafe.com, airsafe.com. Dr. Todd Curtis has got lots of experience, domestic and military. He's based
0: in the Boston area. Uh, Todd, thank you as always. Well, thanks again for the opportunity. For more information about aviation safety and security, please visit airsafe.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.